podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bond, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! What a goal! Huddleston, now for Sykes, again promising for Derby, Jerome coming in! Hello, you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast for a bonus episode to reflect on the Rams' resolute 1-0 win over Fulham in the Championship Playoff semi-final first leg. My name's Chris Parsons, and joining me, having recovered their voices but not their fingernails, are Richard Kutcher. Hello. And Tom Martin. Hi there. It was a dogged, determined display which helped Derby take a single goal lead to West London, and it certainly followed the Gary Rowett blueprint. Little possession, few chances, but clinical when it mattered. Fulham have scored in every league game since December the 17th, a run stretching back 24 matches, but they were shut out by the Rams thanks to a hugely disciplined, committed performance, including a defensive masterclass from Curtis Davis. And a big question is, Tom, can Derby make it to Wembley by conceding that much possession at Craven Cottage? Yeah, I think we can. Um, I thought we were so good defensively. Uh, really solid unit right the way into the middle. Curtis Davis, I thought Keogh and Forsyth for the most were good. Every time the ball went into Mitrovic, uh, Huddleston and Johnson swept up if Davis couldn't, which he did 95% of the time. Um, we've got every chance of going to Craven Cottage, scoring a goal, because I thought we looked dangerous on the counter, um, and I think we need to show the same determination, and I think we, we can do it. Coach, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think it was the best uh, tactical game management I've seen from a Derby team in... Well, I can't really remember the last time I've seen a game with such a clear game plan... Um, and executed properly and although we did concede plenty of possession we did look comfortable and I feel like you know there is a chance of course something could fall their way in the box on Monday night but I feel play the percentages again and we've got a great chance uh, to get a goal uh, down there tomorrow night so I think we can definitely proceed. So we were talking about this on the way out the ground Tom and uh, you know in a a slightly beer induced haze I sort of feel a bit different myself so I just feel that the game plan we have is inherently risky and I feel like Fulham will create more chances in the home leg and I just I have my doubts as to whether we can hold out like we did in the away leg for another yeah. 90 minutes do you think we have to do anything differently what is the game plan when we go there I, I do see what you you say um, and I will also say on Friday there wasn't a single time when I felt nervous there was there was a couple of chances that Fulham had just after half time and then there was a shot I think from Kearney which just went past the post which I thought was in I wasn't like looking at the clock, desperately hoping it forgot that it was going to uh, tick down. Um, I thought Derby were comfortable, and I thought that Fulham looked very, very leggy and very one-paced. Um, I, I think we watched football in different ways because I was literally turning around every five minutes to see yeah, how much same. time was left. <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously, you're maybe a bit more confident than the two of us. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be easy on Monday. I think it's going to be extremely difficult, and I think Derby will need to um, need to battle, and I think we will need to get a bit more luck. Um, 
than we, we used on Friday. I don't think we were that lucky on Friday, um, but I do think we're going to have Carson's going to have to make a couple of great saves. Uh, defensively, we're going to be have to be really solid. It wouldn't surprise me if we didn't win. Um, I think I think it's fair to assume that Fulham will play better <coughs> and they will find a way to create more chances. Like my main memory of playing at Craven Cottage in the last two years has been Fulham getting uh, getting to the byline more often, mm. actually getting in behind our defence and pulling the ball back and putting dangerous balls across the face. Yeah. We didn't see that happen. I don't think we saw that happen once. No. Maybe in the first half there was there was, a sim- there was one incident of that. But the new system that we played seemed to really nullify their their ability to find space on the edges of the box and get into yeah. the byline. And I don't. I presume that was because we had three defenders with then two um, two solid win backs who worked really hard. So I presume Fulham will find a way. They should look at the video. I'm sure they'll find a way to work around that. We must expect they're going to play better. But if we put in the same kind of defensive performance, as Tom said, we didn't create many, if any, clear-cut chances for Fulham. Of course, they can always belt one in from 30 yards. That's always possible. But if that's what they're going to have to rely on, I'm happy to go into the away leg in that, in that form. So looking back on the 1-0 win on Friday night in the first leg, Tom, it was quite a different performance from the one just two months ago when... Fulham turned us over at home, and when Sessegnon yeah. and Kearney were both uh, were both really dangerous for for the Cottagers. So, how did we manage to keep Fulham's best free attacking players, Kearney, Sessegnon, and Mitrovic, quiet so effectively, given the problems they gave us in in March? Was it was it the system, or was it more the personnel? I think it was the 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 former point there. Kutch touched on it, um, and I think having the three centre backs uh, allowed us to get tight to Mitrovic and allow Keo and Forsyth to drop off and pick up any runners. But it also meant that when Mitrovic did receive the ball into feet, he had the runners from McDonald or Kearney. Davis was then challenging Mitrovic, but Johnson and Huddleston picked up that second ball brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. So many times did Davis maybe go to ground and win the ball, and then he relied on someone else helping him out. And they were there every single time by one, which is where McDonald hit the crossbar. And I think they were just fantastic in terms of a unit. And Kutch also mentioned the two wide men, um, Vyman and then uh, Wisdom. Wisdom absolutely dominated Sessegnon. And I'm not... I, I can't see it being the same uh, on Monday for the whole game, but he was so good, just kept him so tight. Apart from in the first two or three minutes when Sessegnon blazed over on his right foot, Sessegnon didn't touch it, didn't realise he was playing. I'm trying to think who played at right back in the league game a couple of months ago. It was Wisdom, wasn't it? It wasn't Baird at right back. I, so I think Wisdom was at fault for one of the goals, wasn't he? It must have been Wisdom. I think so. I was on a stag, so I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the terms of the personnel question, I mean, Curtis Davis did have a defensive performance for the ages. I said yeah. on Twitter that I can't think of another individual defensive performance as perfect in a Derby Abs- shirt. Absolutely colossal, and, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely colossal. But the system allowed, you know, really helped Davis to do that because yep. if you watched in in Curtis Davis's um, pre-match huddle, which seems to have gone viral, the last thing he says is "stick together," and he actually that is actually exactly what happened on the pitch physically because Curtis Davis never had Keo or Forsyth more than five yards away from him either side when he was like when he was holding Mitrovic on the edge of the box which meant that he could afford to get tight knowing that those two could sweep up and then as Tom said you had Johnson Huddleston in front of him to also sweep up any kind of um, loose balls that, that popped off him and then uh, equally so on the sticking together Huddleston and Johnson were also always really close together the yeah. whole team shape was just perfect the whole game and it meant that they Fulham really struggled to find any holes now like any system there is always weaknesses in any system. There's never a perfect system. And I expect for them to try and find that through kind of video analysis over the weekend. So we're going to be diligent again, but I would say it's the same again Monday night. So looking back on, on the game itself, 
Derby opened the scoring just after the half hour through goal machine Cameron Jerome. I mean, that, that's his official full title, by the way. That's what we have to call him. Yeah, yeah. An absolutely thumping header, wasn't it? Um, we'll have to hold our hands up, coach. We've underestim- underestimated him, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, about two months ago, we were giving him all kinds of abuse, and and not not just us, but you know, most fans on social media and and in the ground. Um, and Rowett didn't seem to really fancy him either. He's playing Nugent more often, but he's really turned it on and. Yeah, Fozzy puts a great ball into the box, and because Jerome's managed to isolate um, who was the def- target, target, yeah. target at, at the back post, it was a, it was there was no contest there really. But the build up to the goal, Vyman p- picks it up on the left hand side. He runs inside. It ends up with Huddleston. Huddleston's under pressure from two players, but he knows exactly if Fozzy's there with twenty yards of space. Vyman continues into the box. We overload the box, and that's what gives Cameron Jerome the chance to isolate the, the man at the back post. So it's not just a simple time as a, a straight, decent no. left, decent left no. wing cross and a good header. You've noticed that Vyman helped pull someone out of position, so that yeah. Jerome was one on one with the smaller centre back. We mentioned the last podcast, and I said that um, I'm not a big fan of Tim Ream. I think he tends to ball watch. Having watched him at Bolton, uh, and then having watched him at Fulham, yes, he's a big lad, and that's what you want in the Championship. But he follows Vyman's run. Um, and Vyman then gets into the box having given the ball to Huddleston as as Huddleston swings it out um, Ream then switches off and there's a massive gap between Target and Jerome uh, sorry Target and Ream and Jerome then finds Target who's not as big um, and Foz picks out his Target and, he, uh, and Jerome slashes it in it's brilliant I, goal I thought great movement from when, for, when Foz first hit that cross I thought he'd overcooked it to be honest I thought he'd uh, put too much on it but he knew what he was doing didn't he looking for the big man at the back stick yeah. and Cameron Jerome did the rest I mean it's we've said it again a few times on the podcast this season you know that that is a ball from Fozzy from three or four years ago I do think that he did kind of build in confidence a little bit after that happened yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about what system we're going to play in personnel I guess in a second but if Fozzy did end up going to left wing back then hopefully he's, he's got a, he's got a great ball in, in the back in his locker Forsyth and Keogh were both playing the sort of wider centre backs um, but on two or three occasions especially in the first half rather than the second both of those full backs uh, sorry both of those centre backs were able to get into full back positions yeah. so the wing back pushed on uh, Vyman in this case for the goal and Forsyth's left centre back ended up at left back uh, because then Keogh and Davis then tucked in as a, a normal and, and Wisdom sorry as a sort of normal back four so it allowed a sort of overload and it allowed the freedom for uh, Vyman or Wisdom to move and Huddleston would stay deep as well Huddleston often dropped in yeah. for um, Keogh when Keogh went yeah. forward yeah Precisely. And I thought that, that system worked well going forward um, as well as defensively. It was a defensive setup, um, and we did try and hit them on the counter with the playing the three sort of up. But um, it did also work when we got control of the ball in the first half. The actual uh, chances that Fulham <coughs> did have, they did carve out one or two half decent opportunities. Let's be honest, not as many as you'd hoped for given they had three quarters of the possession in the game. Uh, I think 13 attempts on goal in total, but only yeah. two or three on target. Uh, the main one when a long ball from the left to sort of a big diagonal found yeah. Aite free in the area and he skewed his effort over the bar uh, Kearney had a decent a decent effort from outside the area which was comfortable save for Scott Carson yeah. uh, Mitrovic got free from Davis once but put his header over the bar yeah. do you think Fulham can be disappointed with what how little they did create given how much of the ball they had yeah definitely um they did look dangerous at times, but I do think Derby held them at arm's length. Um, their two shots on target were both from outside the box. The one time they did get inside the box, it was a Ute. If he'd have scored that, what a goal it would have been. Yeah. Um, but Forsyth switched off. It's the only time he did. Um, and he put it over the bar. And um, apart from that, I, f- I felt we held them out comfortably enough. Like All of their shots were from long range. They didn't create any clear-cut chances. Kutch mentioned something uh, which happened in the league game where the ball seemed to flash across our box and across the six-yard line time after time 
Um, I don't recall that happening once. Yeah, if that's if 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 the first twenty minutes starts that way, uh, with the ball with them getting behind and, and getting balls across the box, then I'll, I'll definitely be concerned yeah. at the cottage. But if we can keep them at arm's length again, like we did all game um, on Friday night, then I think we can be I think we can be confident. I, I do think they'll learn. I do think Fulham will learn from this. And but they are but as as we said before, they are quite set in their ways. They want to play a certain way. Um, it just depends if they work out where the gaps are in the system. Mitrovic maybe needs to move about a bit more, maybe pull Davis around, because Davis did stick to him. That was a man-mark job. There's yeah. no doubt about that. They obviously decided Davis is the man to mark him. Yeah. And Mitrovic didn't leave the D. He didn't go anywhere any no. wider than that. He should, he probably should have been putting on to Forsyth or putting on to Keogh. What we did notice towards the end of the game in that second half, where it was basically Derby penned in for, for, for most of it, that... We were getting so deep that Mitrovic was basically holding the ball up in the in, inside the area towards the end, wasn't it? Is that is that a concern? Just I mean, it just happens to most teams, doesn't it? When you're defending for yeah. that long, you do just end up getting deeper and deeper. That was a concern, but they, they did fix it. It was There was about a 10-15 minute period in the middle of the second half when that happened. Or maybe even earlier it's in the second beginning, half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they did eventually push out more and I think they realised that they were getting too deep. Because you are going to create problems. Because as soon as you start allowing the striker to hold it in the box, it just needs to fall. Yeah. in the wrong place for it to be put in the back of the net which is actually what happened in, in the game at Pride Park against them earlier in the season so um, I do think we just need to be very you know very conscious of making sure we're not sitting inside our own box keep Mitrovic outside the box it just removes so many so many risks penalties etc yeah. that's that's where Hodgson and Johnson are key isn't it it's, it's, it's up to them to uh, help us keep our shape and yeah, keep pull them out and keep us high up the field. It's that all five, the, the back three and those two, because yeah. everyone's got, you know, Davis has got to push them away, but then make sure he closes mm. the space with them. It, those, those shapes, those defensive shapes rely on you all keeping a similar distance between you while you move up the pitch or move backwards together. Um, they, it just, they just need to keep the shape and keep communicating, but they're an they're a experienced uh, group at the back there. A couple of moments that Derby did have for a couple of forays forward in the second half. Um, well, my Tom Huddleston picks out Vyman, who is a weird chance, wasn't it, Tom? He got yeah. in behind. He did all the hard work, and it was from a really tight angle, but he just smashed okay. it over the bar. He yeah. said Kutchie had lead boots on when he yeah. smashed it over. And do you think Derby could have done better with the limited chances they had in the second half? Yeah, we 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 got we definitely could have done better with the limited chances we had because we do have quality going. We do have quality in the final third. It just seemed to me we, we did well to get into those positions and then maybe a bit of nosebleed struck, particularly that one with Vyman. Mm. Anya's diving header was kind of a half chance uh, as well. Um, and Vyman obviously fell over. It didn't, didn't yeah. make the highlights real, but Vyman was pretty much through on goal and, and he slipped over in the second half as well. So I do think there's more to come from us going forward. Um, although we didn't create lots of clear-cut chances like, like just as Fulham didn't, there is more from us to come forward as well. And that will always be on Fulham's mind when it's on, that even though they'll have more of the ball at Craven Cottage that we do have that threat in the counter um, it's not so we don't pose any threat and it's just attack against the fence like that's we're deliberately doing that and that's you know hopefully that'll fall into our hands they'll make a mistake and they'll let us you know they'll give us the chance in the second leg to kill the game off if we were going to criticise Derby at all from Friday I thought going forward whilst we looked dangerous we did, we weren't very effective now Vidra didn't have a great game um, it wasn't maybe his style of game but there's there's more to come from him and we know that Vyman got into great places lots of positive running um, but again was perhaps a bit wasteful of possession going forward and that chance I think the ball was a bit high and he tried to sort of loop it over the keeper rather than put his foot through it maybe a bit more composure bring it down but we look dangerous when we go forward, but I'd like to see us hold the ball up a little bit more and just slow the game down slightly with us in control of it rather than slowing the game 
uh, down a bit with the ball boy chucking the ball away and stuff like that, which I thought was great as well. I mean, if you're a Fulham fan, I mean that. I know that's a bit petty, isn't it? But I, that's kind of summed it up to me. Was that the Fulham fans were getting so frustrated they took it out on a fifteen-year-old boy, yeah. bo- on a fifteen-year-old boy, boy, uh, <laughs> ball boy, ball boy. Sorry. Um, going back to one other thing, Chris, uh, Paul Pessy Slido in our in our phone in with him in the playoff preview. Although he said he fancied Fulham, one of the areas he picked out was the two teams' spine. Now the spine of both teams, we've got the strongest spine. You look at Davis. Uh, particularly Davis, Carson, Johnson and Huddleston. These are all players who have been there and done it. They've got promotions before. And they, those four, particularly Davis, Johnson Huddleston, really stepped up. And we're going to need another massive performance from those three again. So we'll talk more about the away leg in part two of, of this special bonus podcast. In the meantime, do follow us on social media. We're on uh, Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. Find us on Facebook as well. Search Steve Bloomer's Washing or we're also on Instagram. Uh, we'll be we'll all be at the cottage on Monday, won't we? And we'll oh, yes. be hopefully producing a cheeky little Instagram story to help share the experience for those who couldn't make it. We're extremely lucky to have uh, got a ticket for the away leg. So yeah, do follow us on Instagram, and we'll see you on the other side of this. Now again, there's Villas, Asanovic, Daly, Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or hit follow on SoundCloud. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast for our bonus playoff special episode. We're reflecting on the Rams' 1-0 win over Fulham in the first leg. So the uh, the mind games have started from Fulham. Um, Fulham's Kevin McDonald chipping off in the press today in one of the Sunday papers saying that Fulham battered Derby but that they were sloppy and that Derby played on that. He also added that Fulham will have to throw everything at us in the away leg. Coach, we talked about the game plan before. Are those um, are those fair comments from him, would you say? I think it's fair comment to say they're going to have to throw everything at us in the first leg um, because they that's what they tried in the second leg, sorry. Because that's what they tried to do in the first leg, but they didn't batter us, did they? We just discussed the fact that they might have had 80% possession, but you know, they didn't create many chances. So I think it's... I think it's uh, unfair to say that we were battered by Fulham at all. None of us feel battered and bruised from that, do we? Well, I mean, it, you know, we, we sort of fell on the people in front of us after the goal, didn't we? But that's, yes, that, that was us battering ourselves. That's unrelated. <laughs> My yeah. shin is battered and bruised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about it, and there was certainly a reason why we're in the south stand and they spent the entire half, second half singing The Great Escape. I mean, it seems to me everyone recognises we have been given a second chance at promotion, haven't we, this season, at the playoffs, and if it, if it is going to happen after the winless run that we had it's going to be through performances like the one on Friday the backs of the wall performances rather than free flowing football yeah. like it was under McLaren where we have more of the ball and create 25 chances a game and this whole thing about uh, free flowing football versus defensive performances or negative play is purely subjective no, there's no rule book that says attacking football is better than defensive football get a new but, rule book yeah get a new rule <laughs> they, yeah we'll, we'll read the rule book it's not in there um, so you know it's purely subjective the best football is winning football. We won on Friday, so we weren't battered by Fulham. We weren't battered by them either. Tom, I think I know what you're going to say here, but who was uh, man of the match on Friday for you? There's only one candidate. The catchy No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jamie, Jamie Hansen? <laughs> yes, congratulations. <laughs> uh, no, Kurt Stavis was f- phenomenal. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, every time the ball goes up to, to Mitrovic, he, he gets a foot in, he's tight to him, he doesn't let him any, have any space. Um, he marshalled that team and he set the pace for us. Fantastic play. It's worth finding a, 
a video that um, uh, that Chris Lawn tweeted out after the game, a little montage of uh, of uh, the ballad of Curtis Davis versus Mitrovic, and it is just a succession of the commentator saying. Ball goes into Mitrovic, tackled by Davis again and, again and again and again. Really paints a picture of just how much Davis had to concentrate and how good a job he did on Friday, doesn't it, Kutch? Yeah, and the thing is, I was just saying to Tom off air that what we have to have happen uh, on Monday night is Davis to do that again. Now, he's certainly, I'm not saying he's not capable of doing it again, but that was a perfect performance. And we need it to be perfect again because we know how dangerous they are when they can play off Mitrovic. So the question is, can Davis be. 100% again as again he's got it in him but all it takes is one slip or one microsecond misconcentration mis- or a piece of genius from Mitrovic or him to be more effective and it and it won't be so not easy because it wasn't easy but it won't be so straightforward I do agree with you that Davis was man in a match but I think it's worth giving Huddleston a mention as well and Johnson um, and Johnson I mean Huddleston Huddleston's been very yeah, you know good, perfor- <laughs> good performances across the park but I think Huddleston in particular, his I mean his range of passing at times on Friday was absolutely like extraordinary. Was, even, even for the goal, you know, he got the ball forty yards out, just got his head up, picked out Forsyth on the left. And the uh the chance that Vyman had, we were behind the goal watching that and I was thinking about it afterwards that fans often think, don't they, that they can see the game better from mm. the stands, they can see the passes the players can't and that sort of thing. But I was watching that you know, watching that chance unfold, and I didn't even see that pass myself, where Huddleston somehow picks out that curling diagonal to Vyman in the area. It's just an extraordinary piece of like vision and technique. I don't know how he did it. No one was... sees a game better than Huddleston yeah. in, in that division. No, no, I'd agree. I Not think. even us. <laughs> <laughs> you're a tactical genius, aren't you? you? Said that last week. Can be, can be. Um, no, I think you're right. Huddleston was brilliant. It's the performance that we've wanted from Huddleston, uh, and I'm really hoping he does it again on Monday. And um, he'll have to be on it and. We rely on him so much for the counter attacks, and we've got such pace and uh, and strength and skill up front that if Huddleston can find that pass, there is space behind that full and back four, so much space, and we can we can exploit that on Monday. And the signs look good because Huddleston has got better as the season's gone on. Yeah, you know, he's grown into the season absolutely, and with Johnson playing to the level that he played to on Friday night, that takes a bit of pressure off Huddleston because yeah. Johnson was play- again similar range of passing, not, not as prolific as Huddleston on the passing and the long range passing, but he kept the ball well. He played it forward when he could. It wasn't any bad decisions. They both moved the ball quickly, which I think we've been guilty of not doing enough this season. Coach, you said that you thought it was Bradley Johnson's best game in a Derbyshire. Do you, do you oh, think that's still ab- true? Absolutely. Even more so than the um, the four nil whole game where where he where he scored a brace. Yeah, I thought he was just way more effective all round. Way more effective all round, and he just he did the he did he did the bits well, which we don't normally associate with him, which is just the keeping the ball, mm. um, looking after it. Him and Huddleston really played themselves out of some tight areas when we when we did win back possession in our own half after being under pressure. It's easy just to get your head down and punt it out or punt it upfield, but Johnson was a lot cuter. We uh, did do that possession. a few times. In fairness, we did. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, sometimes you do need to, but when there's an opportunity to pass out little triangles, they were putting them together. And again, like I said before. They stay close together, and I don't know if that, that was Huddleston marshalling Johnson through, or if it was deliberate, but they needed to be close to mop up. But I just thought they looked really well balanced together. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I think a different type of performance from Johnson to the whole game, um, but different ty- and different type of effectiveness. But like this was so much more crucial. Well, we were we were a different team for that whole game, weren't we? We were, you know yeah. we we were a bit easier to watch and different players, and yeah. he, he he performed a different role. But he's. He has to be so disciplined in there with Huddleston, doesn't he? Like he's he's those two are 
sort of two of the yeah. key players in that formation for sure. It's Johnson's most intelligent Derby yeah, performance. That's true. He thought about what he was doing and he executed it brilliantly. It's too many times do we see Johnson make a silly mistake or do something a little bit rash, and not once did he see that on Friday. When it comes to the game in West London in the second leg on Monday, there aren't really many selection headaches that Rowett has, really. It's going to be the same team. The, think, only, the only one I can think of is who starts at left wing back. Is it Andy Vyman, Kutch, or Akechi Anya? Or Craig Forsyth without his Pierce at left centre back. I think that that's one decision. And the other decision is if you if you still play Vidra from the beginning. Uh, on the left wing back, I would probably stick with Forsyth left centre back and probably go Anya left wing back and then Vyman move forward and, and Vidra start on the bench. That's it's, probably it's, what I would do. just seems a lot more flexible. I guess Rowett would say that if you stick Forsyth out wide, I mean, even even with three at the back and Forsyth being one of the centre-backs, Forsyth still managed to get forwards into a position where he could get a cross in, didn't he? So yeah, maybe I, that's what he's thinking of. And I think that decision, um, the decision whether you play Forsyth left centre-back or left wing-back and bring Pierce in or not, that decision will give us an indication just how defensive Rowett wants to be. If he wants to do exactly the same as Friday, which is be defensive, soak, soak it up, but have more attacking threat, when you keep Forsyth left centre-back with, with a left wing-back option of Vyman or Anya. If he wants to be more defensive and just make sure they're even more solid, then he'll bring Pierce to left centre-back and have Fozzie as a left wing-back. Being the pessimist among the three of us after that performance, my view is we should just play every single defender on the books. <laughs> <laughs> Play a seven. Jamie Hansen. A seven. A seven. A seven. Two one. <laughs> two goalkeepers. Get that. Get that team bus out on the pitch. Park it. Handbrake on and just defend for our lives. The, I think we got the balance spot on. I think we got the balance spot on on Friday, and I would. I would go again, but I would take. I would. As I said, I'd start Vidra on the bench and move Vyman forward and Anya left wing back. I think. Um, the reason I say that is Vidra didn't do anything wrong on Friday. He he worked hard just like everyone else. But because that's not his game, you know, he's not naturally a hassling player. Like he put the effort in, but he's not going to be as effective as a defensive player in that position as, say, Vyman. Um, and because he was working hard, we didn't really see him on the ball at all. Yeah. I mean, it does only take one chance, and he'll put it away. That's true. But I just feel that away from home, we've said before, Rowett thinks he kind of runs out of steam at sixty minutes. Why not bring him on in the second half if we need a goal, or just to give him something more to think about when Speak, people are tiring? Speaking of running out of steam, I think that's why Anya came on because yeah. Vyman was absolutely blowing out his ass, wasn't he? I mean, he put a monumental shift in. He was up and down all the time. Um, so I think I think that's what he'll do. He, because of the system that we play, that that wing back role is so intense that it's quite difficult for someone to play it for an entire ninety minutes. I mean, Wisdom mm. did really well, but he's a just an impeccable athlete, isn't he? He's just an absolute warrior. Whereas Vyman, I think, just ran out of steam a bit, and I think we needed some fresh legs in that position. And I think that's what he'll do again. It wouldn't surprise me if Vyman started, and then again maybe Anya came on to provide so the, the extra energy. What do you think? What do you think about Vidra? I agree with you with Vidra. Uh, I disagree with you. With- with Anya, I would think we'll be playing uh, Forsyth left wing back, uh, Pierce as left centre back, uh, Vyman further forward, and I think we've got to consider the fact that if we lose one there or two one, extra time, and I would love to have Vidra on for extra time. So, and Anya, yeah, and Anya, I think that they they may be Anya to to run the channels, Vidra to create the space, and that's got to be a consideration tactically. And I do that's think, a really that's a really important yeah. point actually because it does get to extra time. We could have problems, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah, and I, I do think that we um, we need to make sure that we protect those best players. And I don't think Fidel was at his best because the the way we played wasn't the best way to do it. And and I think he'd be better coming off the bench on Monday, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, on the previous pod. Forsyth left wing back, Pierce centre back, uh, Vyman further forward. 
I think another point about if you play Pierce um, left centre back <clears throat> is if Mitrovic does learn from his mistakes on Friday and pull up, pull him out a bit more, then you'd much rather have Mitrovic pulling on to Pierce than Forsyth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most definitely. Um, it's going to be tough and it's going to be really tight. Um, I'm hopeful, um, but at the same time, if Fulham are better than us on the night, then they've deserved to go up. They've been fantastic this season, so um, we've put ourselves in a great position, and I really hope we go there and do it. Tom, what do you think the score will be? With my derby hat on, it's one all, and we go through two one. Uh, maybe three one Fulham after extra time. Yeah, so, I got I got a feeling it might be two one at full time, uh, and then it's. I feel like we might struggle under the pressure in extra time, but maybe the pressure will get to them. They they Fulham have not dealt well with pressure in the last ten days, have they? Because no. they had pressure against Birmingham, they bottled it. They were <coughs> expected to beat us, and we let them. We gave them the opportunity to take the game to us, and they bottled it. You know, if I'm Kevin McDonald, if I'm looking at Kevin McDonald's comments again, bring it on. Batter if that's you battering us, come and batter us again because yeah. we dealt with it fine last time. Darby's win on pens. You heard it here first. T Dog. I'm calling it. <laughs> uh, I've only ever been to one penalty shootout before and it didn't involve Derby, but the team that I was supporting did win and it was the most awful thing I've been through. So if it was involving Derby, I, I... Do you remember the um Southampton shootout in 07 yeah yeah, yeah oh. I wasn't there at the game I was watching on TV so I think it's slightly different I was I was there for that and obviously it was nerve wracking but every single every single one of our penalties they were amazing weren't they incredible top, I think 3 out of four, three out of 5 went top corner Jamie yeah. Kevley's one sign him up I mean, it, it, I mean it, it took the pressure off so quickly by having the first two pens go in so perfectly and I can't remember which one they missed first but you know that that penalty shootout felt very routine, uh, but obviously they're not always like that. I was getting ahead of myself the other night and thinking what would happen in penalty shootout, and I was having visions of of Richard Keogh stepping up in a sudden death penalty shootout or oh, something, and, and what might possibly happen. Maybe you just brought me out in a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to mitigate that, you just have Keogh step up first. You get his out of the way. Get out of the way, yeah. Because yeah. you do not want him stepping up number five or six. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's way fur- that's way further down the road. Let's not even contemplate that right now let alone in the semi-final or even the final oh god what, what, what am I thinking about Chris what do you what do you think you haven't you said Derby win on penalties yeah why but, not Derby yeah. to win on pens I think we'll hold out um, lose by a single goal somehow grind it out for extra time and then um, Richard, Richard Keogh to score a winning penalty in the shootout we've had extra time at the cottage before the FA Cup game what, 2004 yeah. or something we had all the injuries and we ended up with 8 players or something and we held out then but then yeah. lost an extra time didn't yeah we, we did yeah just before we wrap up this uh, bonus podcast, a word on the other semi-final, Villa v Middlesbrough. You watched the whole game, Tom. Yeah. Um, if Derby do make it through, what did you make of those two teams as potential finalists? Um, Villa have got match winners, haven't they? Terry, Terry and Chester were great at the back. Uh, Grealish, I thought, ran the midfield. And um, I thought Snodgrass was lively. Um, it's a bit disappointing, Borough, to be honest. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were... Oh, I thought they would offer more on the home leg. Most definitely, I agree. A little bit more nervous, weren't they, I thought. Yeah. Whoever wins the Derby-Fulham game, I hope they go up. And that's not just obviously being a Derby fan. If it is Fulham, I hope they go up ahead of Barrow and Villa. The game was pretty much what you expected from it, wasn't it, Kutch? It was uh, two really organised, competent, experienced teams. And the game was basically settled on who concentrated more at set pieces. And it, yeah, exactly. It was a set piece that, that won, won the first leg. I think it was always going to be the case that whichever semi-final had Fulham in it would be more interesting because it would be a clash of styles. Whereas Derby, Borough and Villa are all kind of much of a matchness three very pragmatic managers with pragmatic experienced squads yeah I, I, feel, I feel like Villa should finish a job at home but you know don't bet against Tony Pulis no um, just one other thing which we didn't mention during the pod today 
Fulham's corners and set pieces. Yeah, I kept going short. Um, I'm sure that will change. And the Fulham fans are really upset. I saw a few comments on Twitter, yeah. really bemoaning the fact that Fulham were not getting the balls in the box, whether it be open play or at corners. And every time they went short, they never caused us a single problem. No. So again, Fulham will surely learn from some of these mistakes on on, yeah. on Monday night. And it just depends to what quality they do that. Yeah. Anything can and does happen in the playoffs. As I said, we'll be there at Craven Cottage on Monday. We're very fortunate to have. To have got tickets, we'll be in the where is it going to be for? The Duke's Head yeah. in Putney Bridge. Uh, we'll drink in there before the game. Come and say hello, uh, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Richard. Cheers. Thank you. Up the Rams. We'll see you again, hopefully, for one or two more podcasts. Come on, Derby. <laughs>